So I haven't done a podcast since May 12th with my friend Tim Hartwick. It's been a long time, but Madison, if you're listening, I still know how to talk over the music. So hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Like I said, it's been a while. So it's kind of been a while for many reasons. One of them was I didn't really feel like I had anything interesting to talk about. And so I'm sort of thankful to my friend Sean out at the Village Club who has listened and talked to me quite a bit about how, what it sounds like and given me some good feedback and kind of told me a couple of months ago not to do it if I didn't have anything I cared about and sort of listened to him. He listens to me on the tennis court, so I decided to just kind of hold off and wait until some things hit me and collect thoughts, and that's what I've done. So we're back after a long time. So this is episode 23. The good part is nobody cares. My phone's not ringing off the hook to put podcasts out. So it's sort of that way for me to put together my thoughts. Before we get started, just a quick thank you to my Village Club coaching staff who were three weeks in and had some serious heat to deal with and they crushed it and got the job done. And thanks to everybody out there. They're not going to listen to this, but Madeline, Carly, Sophia, Brennan, Stefan, Nathan, Sam, Tommy Boy 1, Tommy Boy 2, Rob, Laura, Nick, Mike, everybody who's helped me, Fran, thank you guys. We'll go five months, five weeks to go, and we're going to finish off, finish off strong. But it's been tough, and for all you coaches out there that are grinding through this, keep it up. It's good work to do, and um, you'll survive and get, get a break soon. So one thing I've been doing, other than just being busy, my summer schedule changes a lot at the Village Club and I have a little bit less time to do these type of things, is I started fishing. Along with my son and my daughter Annie, we sort of got into the fishing world, which I did a lot as a kid. I lived in a little subdivision called Four Lakes that are more like ponds, but used to do a little bit, nothing, nothing major. So we entered the fishing world, and as usual gets me thinking about my tennis and when we started we've probably been a dozen times uh we didn't catch anything we don't know what we're doing benny would youtube as we're there and and we're not sure we broke i one of my poles broke in half and ended up in the water and we've lost lures and break a pole every time and it's been kind of fun to learn something and and obviously hang out with my kids not sure they think the same thing about hanging out with me but we didn't catch anything, didn't catch anything, and then we caught something small, and it was the coolest thing, and we'd take our pictures and videos, and then we started catching a lot of little small ones, and then one day, Benny caught 10 um, just little small little small fish, right? And then I started to notice that when we caught the little ones, it wasn't as cool anymore. We stopped taking the pictures, just wasn't as exciting um, it still was for me. I don't I don't think it is for them as much. And then the other day, Benny caught two serious, like legit fish that could have been kept and eaten. And we don't do that because we're terrified of cutting a fish open and what to do with it. But that's a whole other story of us sort of growing and how we do this. I caught a pretty good fish. Again, it would have been, I'd say, a keeper. Something it was a legit fish if you looked at it. Um but I've started to notice we went back and now catching the little ones isn't any big deal. Nobody cares anymore. 
we've we've done that and it's not that big of a deal anymore and it bothers me because the point of the fishing was to go out and do something new and spend some time together and now it's becoming you know we don't even try for the little ones we hope they don't take our worms we hope we don't get one because we want to get bigger and it goes against what I believe in and teach on the tennis court because I'm always talking about take the point, move on, enjoy every wins because it's so hard to win. And I see us going down a path where we don't enjoy it as much and I, I don't like it. I got to find a way to fix that. But just wanted to sort of talk about how that affects my life. The things I teach outside of tennis is we should enjoy those little things, those moments where we went out, we put a hook and a worm on a on our pole and we brought something out of the water, small, big, whatever, we should enjoy that. And I have to find a way, like I try to tell my players to find a way to enjoy it on there. So anyway, I'm a fisherman now. I've battled some huge beasts that took me hours to bring in and Benny had some battles. Not really. We just make it all up. But if you want to follow us, uh, we started a fishing Instagram to kind of keep track of our journey. It's called Fix Family Fishing on Instagram. We're just posting pictures and dumb stuff, and it's probably not worth the follow. But if you're bored and want to check us out, you can keep track of how we're doing on Instagram, along with my Scott Fix Tennis and the Village Club. So what I'm doing now, currently watching Wimbledon, and this has been on my topic list for a while, the French Open came and went, and I didn't watch a single shot. Not one. Didn't see a moment of the entire Grand Slam tournament, and this is what I do for a living. And I've started questioning whether, is that me? Is that I'm, Am I a bad coach? A bad person in the tennis community that's supposed to promote tennis? Why, why didn't someone like me watch a single second of it? I think some of it is, I don't get Tennis Channel. and Most of the French Open was on the Tennis Channel. I don't get it. It doesn't come with my uh, streaming package I use. I don't do cable, and so I don't really have that opportunity, although you could do it on YouTube, I suppose, and there, there's probably a way. But I didn't. it didn't honestly interest me enough to find it or track it down, and I'm not sure why, but I've watched hours and hours of Wimbledon. It's definitely on... You know, I do Hulu. Hulu has every court. I can watch every single match at any time from men, women, mixed doubles, doubles, juniors. It's awesome. So I think some of it is just availability to me. Uh, something about Wimbledon, everybody should watch it. It looks better on TV, I think, than the French. It's just got a, the, the green colors, everything about it, the, the white outfits. Uh, it just seems a little bit more important to me for some reason. Uh, but generally, I don't watch a lot of pro tennis, almost never, unless it's a. It's got to be a great matchup. It's got to be Joker, Fed, Nadal, Murray, um, and three of them are still playing. Um, or it's got to be something interesting, like to you know yesterday, and we're going to talk about that next. Kyrgios um, and Sitsipas was a great match, but I don't know if I'm just getting old, or I'm old school and grew up watching. You didn't miss a Sampras Agassi match. You didn't miss a Courier Agassi. You didn't miss a Becker, Edberg, McEnroe, Connors, you name it. Um, Graf, Navratilova, Chris Evert, Steffi Graf. That world I grew up in, and I, you, those were not, you could not miss those matches. You'd stop what you were doing and you'd watch them. 
I don't have that as much anymore. And I know there's a lot of young players coming up, but I was just wanted to, you know, throw it out there. If anybody has any thoughts on that, or do you watch anymore? Do people still watch tennis? Does it depend on what service you have and whether it's on TV or not? Do you seek it out? But I don't other than Wimbledon and I'm going to watch the U S open cause it'll be everywhere, but moving on. So, Yesterday, I watched the Kyrgios-Sitsipas match, which many of you did, except for my friend Jody, who hopefully listens to this. She's several years behind on, on um, Grand Slam tournaments. So, Jody, if you're listening, you probably want to hit stop because this is going to be a uh, spoiler for you, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, this was your warning. Hope I don't ruin it for you. So, people ask me what I think about Kyrgios and is it good for tennis and... Generally, my answer is it's awesome for tennis. We need, I've always believed we need people to be entertainers versus the generally boring, run-of-the-mill tennis player, robot tennis players. And that's why they win. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think Kyrgios brings something we haven't had in years, and that's the somewhat the McEnroe vibe and Connors and those, those entertainers on the court. I don't agree with everything he does. Uh, I'm. I teach pretty much keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, and move on. But it, it's also boring. And so, if you're a comp, average tennis fan, or a maybe you just watch the Grand Slams, I think people might turn into that, good or bad. And I think many, a lot of it's bad. Um, but if you watch the press conferences, I, I thought Sitsipas may have come across a little as as negative as Kyrgios because if you really watch the match. Sitsipas hit two balls in the crowd. He just got lucky he didn't hit anybody. He hit him hard. He didn't hit anybody, so he didn't get in any trouble. But he took a whack at it. If he had hit somebody, you're thinking differently about him. He also clearly tried to hit Kyrgios many times. handful of times. He tried. Kyrgios came to the net every ball in the last two sets right at him as hard as he could. He tried to hit him on a missed first serve. Whacked the ball at him when he wasn't looking. All Kyrgios did was... Swear a little bit, talk to himself nonstop, get into it with the chair umpire. He never addressed Sitsipas personally, never said a bad thing about him, never spoke to him, didn't didn't sort of focus his anger on Sitsipas at all. I thought he was fairly respectful in that sense. Obviously, he looked like a complete moron in many cases. The constant conversation and arguing about everything, good and bad. But... Kyrgios talked very positively about him in the press conference. Didn't say a negative thing about him until Sitsipas called him a bully and said he was evil. Probably true. I'm not arguing with that, but if you look at the two people, I'm not sure after seeing it all what Kyrgios actually did that was anything worse than Sitsipas. He didn't try to hit anybody. He didn't hit a ball in the crowd. Um, I just don't know... I don't know why Kyrgios is completely the bad guy although do i want my kids acting like him heck no no way but for a guy like me who needs tennis numbers to be up and more people playing and courts to be full and the whole one of my responsibilities as a tennis person is to get more people playing and promote the game all over the place not just my individual business or my individual clubs it's everywhere because if if everybody's playing, that's that's better for all of us. It's better for me personally, financially, career-wise. And I think people will watch Curious. I think they will talk about him, and I think that's positive. And, man, he is a heck of a player. And 
I'm blown away about how good he is and if he could control his emotional side of things. I think he could be up there with those three, Joker, Fed, Nadal. He's that good. He hit some shots that nobody on earth can hit other than maybe two or three people. Um, but tell me what you think about it. I know you won't because I don't get a lot of feedback. I get texts and stuff. But if you want to have that discussion, tell me I'm wrong. That's awesome. But I just thought it was a really intriguing match. And I've mentioned my son on here, and some of you know him now from the VC. He sat and watched a tennis match with me for two hours. That never happens. It's watch a few, walk away. And it was it was entertaining to someone who doesn't watch a lot of tennis. And I think that's great for everybody who loves the game that I chose to do for my career and you all choose to do for your entertainment and and your spare time and spare money. But love to hear from people on what they think about that. So we're going to move on a little bit because it's been a while, like I said. So I finally finished Game of Thrones. Every Father's Day, birthday, Christmas, I get a new season of it. But it's been, I'm guessing, years and I didn't get HBO, so I had to get the DVDs. And I finally finished it a couple of nights ago. And I've been I kept some notes on my phone because I'm a nerd. And a couple of quotes that I just think are awesome for tennis that I'm going to start using. So one was from John Stark. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, he becomes sort of the hero, the leader of things. Uh, seems to be a good dude. But one of his sayings towards it was in the last season, I believe. He said, and I think I wrote it down right, a true enemy won't wait out the storm, he brings the storm. And I just think that's crazy powerful and something I'm going to use on the tennis court and just bring the storm. Stop messing around. Make things happen. Like I've talked about in other podcasts and lessons with many of you, attack, poach, bring your best stuff. Stop waiting around for stuff to happen to you and bring the freaking storm. And I think that maybe the maybe the Village Club's new tennis motto is bring the storm. It's, I, I think it's awesome. And I teach a lot of doubles. And I'm always watching. And it's, we'll drill and practice. And as soon as I say spin your racket, start a match, everybody goes to their spots. And they stand. But they just went 30 seconds ago switching and running and poaching and jumping and doing all the practice things. But when match comes, let's go back to our little spots. Someone serve it, someone will hit it back cross-court, and then we can play. No, not anymore. I teach people, start first point, let's go. Serves in, I'm poaching. I'm going. I'm going to lob it. I'm going to chip it and charge. I'm going to serve and volley. We're going to bring that storm right away from the first point. And so many of my players and students and friends and people I get to watch that aren't even students of mine, they wait around for three, four, five games a set until they lose, and then they decide, well, let's try this. It's too late. You get down a set, good luck. Many of you have come back from a set. It's not impossible. It's normal, but it's hard. And don't put yourself in that spot. Bring the storm from the beginning. It, it's go time. And I just I think it's, like I, you can tell, pretty powerful stuff, and I want to be John Stark when I grow up. Uh, the other one is from... Um, Daenerys Targaryen. She's the dragon queen. So if you haven't watched it, she brings back the dragons and destroys everything in her path, and it's awesome. So hers was, heroes do stupid things and they die. 
again, awesome. I'm always telling my players, stop trying to be the hero. When you're crashing into the fence, you're on one leg, you're falling down, you're in serious trouble, why be the hero? Make a smart decision, put, put it back in there, understand the threat level, put them in possible, put them in impossible situations. If you watch Game of Thrones, most of the heroes die. They do dumb stuff. Now, in the moment, it's valiant and they're warriors, but they go into battle. They know they're going to lose and they end up dead. That's why Game of Thrones is awesome is they kill off everybody. Again, this is not a spoiler because Game of Thrones has been over for several years. I'm just catching up. But heroes do stupid things and they die. Heroes do stupid things and they lose. Put the ball on the court. Make a smart decision. That doesn't go against bringing the storm. You can bring the storm with your plan, but when that storm gets stopped and you're in trouble and you can't finish the job of the storm, put the ball back in the court. Hit it to somebody. A good lob, a good slice ball at their shoes. Put a ball down the middle. It's our Chick-fil-A shot we've talked about, but heroes do stupid things way better than Chick-fil-A. Although I could go for some Chick-fil-A right now, but it's Sunday and they're closed. I'm sure Chick-fil-A is listening to this podcast and they're going to start opening on Sundays for me. Um, so think about that stuff. Another one I had recently, I got a group I'm, I'm working with from the WAC. They're great. Um, fairly new players, but really getting better. And I struggled a little bit and had to talk with them about making sure they judge themselves correctly in a practice situation versus a competitive one because we'll do things where we're working on a forehand volley. And I'll notice that they start talking and, and chattering with themselves and questioning their backhand. And I have to stop and say, nope, we're working on forehand volleys. We're not working on backhands. Why are you having, bringing negative to the table when your only goal, I told you, was to hit a forehand volley over the net? But you just missed the backhand ground stroke and you start getting swept up and, oh, I'm missing this one. It's very, very hard to stay on task. So when you're practicing, you're in a, with a coach, with yourself, and a group, a camp, whatever. If they've told you, we're going to really work for the next 10 minutes on keeping our forehand over the net. Don't get negative when you miss a backhand volley or you miss a serve or something other than that. Try to stay on task because then you, you lose focus on what you're trying to fix. If your coach tells you, all I want you to do is hit the next forehand high. Hit it high. He didn't He didn't care if it goes over the fence. Doesn't care if it goes long or wide. Cares that you're not hitting in the net anymore. So we're going to aim for the height. And if you get the height but it goes long, you, you accomplished what your coach asked you to do. Until there's a score. Once a score is added, one game to seven, 15, 30, 40, whatever scoring situation, then you can start judging yourself on those things. That's competitive judgment versus skill building. But if you're practicing a certain skill... Try to stick with that in practice with your coaches or you're hitting with your kids, your husband, your wife, and you're working on cross-court ground strokes. Don't get mad when you miss one down the line. That is not what the focus is. You want to stay on task a little bit. And I think that's important. I tell my groups, I'm not going to judge you on anything other than the skill until I add score. If we keep keeping score and it's six all and you dump a backhand in the net in that big moment, we'll talk about it. But in stress, non-stress situations, Practice keeping on task and judging yourself on the one thing your coach is asking of you, not everything. Like we've talked about, don't throw it all into one big bucket. You have to let yourself fail. If you don't let yourself fail, you're not going to learn anything. So let it happen. Miss a few. And then work up from there. Failure's tough. I, I've never done it. So 
good luck with that. Uh, lastly, so I've always wanted to talk about this, and I wish I had a guest, and I think some anybody that listens to this may may bash me for this one, but I wanted to briefly talk about social media, tennis, and pickleball sites and and businesses and how they affect you as as players. So I, I did a recent thing because I'm a, a nerd. I went on Instagram. This was Instagram only. And I just scrolled through a bunch of the um, thousands of people who are putting tennis videos out. And here's what I found. Here's some things I found. The words quick, easy, simple. I found one. One minute repair. Fix your forehand today. Why do you need a new coach? These are the things people are putting out there. None of what we do in tennis is quick. Nothing's easy. There is no one-minute repair. Don't tell me you can fix my forehand today. No, you can't. If I'm struggling, it's not going to work. And I'm curious what you all think about this because many of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a YouTuber or on instant Instagram a bit and you can see all these things. But I'll watch these and it's probably smart people, but they'll do a 10-second video telling everyone how they can fix their forehand in 10 seconds. No, you can't. And if you're watching those, please watch them with understanding that that's impossible. You can't do it. The best coaches can't do it. Roger Federer can't fix my high topspin forehand right now. I'm terrible at him. If you ever play me, hit it high to my forehand with a lot of topspin, I'll just get mad. I'll probably quit. I'll probably walk off the court because I'm terrible at it. I try to limit when I have to do it, but nobody's fixing it in one minute. Nobody's fixing it quick, easy, simple, fast. And so if if you're watching those, so keep in mind what that is. That's designed for short attention span people who are going to scroll through there and go out to a court. That's great if you're that person. But if you know me at all, you know how much I care about building that relationship with someone you trust. Someone who's going to spend time thinking and preparing for you when you're not standing in front of them. Someone who actually sees you play, live matches and practices. That's where I think you should put your faith is the person who's standing on the court watching you every day. Your club coach, your high school coach, your pro coach, a parent that actually sees, all right, well, you watch this Instagram video that you decided you were going to fix your forehand in 30 seconds. Well, I've seen you play for two years. You're not a 30-second fix. That's not you. This is what you're good at. Um, so just watch for that stuff and find people you trust understand that the social media is there's some really good stuff out there i have friends out there that are doing some cool stuff and i believe in it um and then there's a thousand others that i watch and think how can you tell these people you can you can fix this stuff quickly you can't do it if you've ever played tennis you'll know you should agree with me how hard it is to fix these things so just watch for that learn some things from it it's why i chose to do a podcast versus instagram or youtube one is because I don't think I have much of a face for uh, cameras. I believe I like the podcast because I can go as long as I want to. I think people that listen to podcasts generally might have a little bit longer attention span. They're going to spend more time with it. They can come back and watch it. It's always there and you're not flipping, just scrolling through Instagram. That's why I chose that. I'm not comfortable on a camera and this I can sit in my basement and nobody around here and talk gibberish all the time. But I just wanted to talk about it. I'd love to have the conversation with people in that business that will argue with me. I, I, I'm not arguing that your, your things aren't valid. I'm just 
trying to convince players to come find you and spend more time with you, I guess. So if that's what you're using to get lessons long-term and build those relationships, that's a different story. It's awesome. But if it's to make money and get ads and all that, good for you. But I don't think that's a tennis thing. Pickleball has it too. Everybody and everywhere is doing pickleball videos now. Some are great. Some are quick, all the same stuff. And I just, I don't agree with it. Um, but that's just sort of my, my thoughts on that. So anyway, everybody, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. And, uh, I'll try to do more. I think as, as fall comes, I'll get into it again and probably bring some, I got some ideas for some guests back, but keep an eye on my Instagram for Scott fix tennis, Facebook, all those kind of stuff. I post as much as I can and I don't overwhelm everybody. I don't think, but I'll see you all on the tennis courts. Thanks for listening. Talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.